back to another episode of V Pirate Radio. We're glad to be back together after a bit of a hiatus as we've all been living life and working work and making money for the man. And I'm sure we have tons of stories around that. So let's get started on kind of talking about what we've all been up to. Um, I guess I'll start since I've got the talkie stick. Um, you know, obviously VMware Explorer was was a big part of, um, well, for, for three-fourths of us was a pretty big event. Um, it was interesting. Um, I would say that it was um, lived up to expectations that were fairly low. Um, you know, kind of knew going into it, it was going to be not a lot of people there um, that we were used to. And it, it, it definitely delivered on that. Um, I was only there for an actual day of the conference. And it was kind of like being there for the last day. Uh, the first day was kind of like what I'm used to for the last day. So I don't, I'll, I'll, Joe and Matt, I'll let you guys kind of give your thoughts on that. But I honestly wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't another VMware conference next year. Um, it, it felt that kind of disappointing to me. I don't know what VMware was expecting in that regard, but it was as a long-term attendee, I know they weren't necessarily focused on giving me a good experience, but um, it definitely wasn't what I was looking for there. Um, you know, beyond that, there's been some work travel where um, team got together for the first time since we kind of formed as a team earlier this year and were able to actually get some get some work done and and move move forward some balls so really being able to enjoy that in-person work environment again um, while i would never go back to an office full-time it definitely was a good experience to to sit in a room with with colleagues for most of a week and and get some stuff done so you know between those two things in a in a month was pretty pretty distracting um it takes a lot of cycles and we'll you know, all that, all that travel and stuff really gets you out of the groove of things. So um, been super, super, super busy at work um, amongst all that. But yeah, so it's been, been kind of crazy. So Joe, kind of what, what have you been up to, man? A little bit of the same. Yeah. Being at Explorer was interesting, a little bit weird. Um, seeing the view from the vendor floor was, was definitely different than it has been in the past uh yeah much much to your point every day seemed like the last day it just kind of seemed like it never really kicked off from sunday afternoon through us packing it in on thursday um just a very seemingly low-key conference like that uh there just there seemed to be no excitement from the keynote to not having a keynote on day two to like every part throughout that there should have been some meaning to it or there there should have been something notable that was going on it just kind of seemed like everybody was there looking around waiting for the actual event to start so uh, definitely very very different from in the past and uh even just seeing like you know just to for some slight comparison of of how dramatically different it was right talking to some people seeing the bookends that have that have happened for the other conferences that I've seen a bunch of stuff about this year, you know, Cisco Live was back with only like half the attendance, but they had, you know, 15, 16,000 people in Vegas this year. And then seeing a lot of the videos and stuff that's coming on from um, Dreamforce that's going on at Moscone right now, like it's night and day from what we saw and all the activity that was going on during Explore to what's going on for Dreamforce and them seeming as if they haven't missed a beat at all from their their past conferences and things other than that i mean for me personally it's just been um 
kind of getting back into the groove with kids back in school, some job role changes and responsibility changes and my schedule being completely way off with having a dog that decides to get me up at, you know, four or five in the morning. And then now working with folks that are around the globe that have the need to ping me at like nine or 10 at night. So yeah, I'm just kind of like stretched a little thin. Um, I don't know. I think Matt might have some interesting words to say though, as far as uh last day, um, you know, cause he had an interesting last day experience at uh, VMware that we'll get to in a bit, but honestly, I want to find out what's going on with Jim. Cause uh, I, I missed the opportunity to, to see you in real meat space. Like Matt did like, uh, sorry, like Brian had. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude, I miss you too. And, and I'm, 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 I'm feeling that more and more. Uh, like you said, Brian and I got to get together for some work things a couple weeks ago. And I got just got to see Matt a couple months ago. And I'm going to get to see Matt again about a month from now as well, um, which will be fun in far distant lands. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have to figure that part out, dude. Um, but yeah, so jealous of all y'all getting get, to get together for Explore. Not so much minding that I wasn't there for the content. Um, from, from a remote point of view, I watched the keynote and spent an hour going, you said what? Um, I don't, it was not exactly the, the, the best of those that I've, I've watched, um, in my years as a VMware type person. So you weren't jazzed? I was jazzed and I was psyched and I was pumped. I was a lot of things and a lot of them involved not having enough bourbon on hand at 11 o'clock in the morning. But I digress. Um, yeah, so had that, you know, was in Texas with Brian and then spent last week um, with the Gestalt IT gang at Cloudfield Day, which was an excellent time to be had by all. Um, had some interesting things kind of come up there and all that fun. But this week is the week where everything is decided to break. I don't know if you guys ever run into those kind of situations, but like, that's as we were talking about before the recording, like multitudes of things in my house decided to break. Um, so trying to work through those things and, you know, we'll get there. All that fun. Matt, how is uh, life treating you, bud? Yeah. So as mentioned, you know, I had the opportunity, let's say, to get to VMworld. And, uh, you know, kind of the ironic thing about all of that is I've been saying for years that once you join VMware, it's so hard to actually get to VMworld. So with that, Ironically, you know, I resigned my job. My last week was actually my week at uh, VMworld. So I took a self-funded trip. It was awesome to, you know, go out and see everyone. It's one of those conferences that, well, yeah, I think all of us kind of have it near and dear to our heart because there's always such a, a vibe around it. You know, the VM Underground this year, I think, was extra special for everyone who could make it, just catching up with people who we literally haven't seen in years. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, the, the show itself, it, um, I think that summed up perfectly. Every day kind of felt like the, the last day. Um, previous years, I could spend you know, easily a day or two just walking around the Solutions Exchange, just talking to folks, whether it's you know, peers or friends or you know, just strangers about their tech. Um, definitely didn't have the same vibe this year. And uh, I, I think, honestly, part of it might just be a matter of uh, you know, VMware has a long-term commitment for the Moscone Center, and they plan on holding a conference there, and they've kind of switched up what their focus is, right? And I don't think they've kind of found that formula. 
but you know what's already been echoed is who knows what next year will hold if if anything but yeah you know short version is uh, another opportunity found me I kind of jumped at it you know it's always welcoming where on day two you get an email in your inbox saying hey there could be a panelist on a global webinar and you have to do everything so <laughs> hit the ground running yeah no, that's that's a testament. I'm just glad that I got the opportunity to have, you know, you guys spend a week with me in uh, San Francisco for, you know, some alone time in the uh, hotel room for a couple of years there. That was a, that was an interesting trend we had going on where I actually told my wife, I was like, ha, these guys want to hang out with me so much. They're actually like quitting their jobs to come hang out with me in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. It did cross my mind that it was Matt's turn that I had it the last time. Uh, good old Joe Middlespoon. Yep, offering up his room. Yeah. So overall, I it sounds like we all kind of had the same impression, which is that it just wasn't quite as as exciting as we wanted it to all be, um, as it has been in in the past. Um, you know, through the whole thing, I was asking myself, is that just my own commentary of it, my own jaded perspective of things, if you will? Um, but I kept hearing it from others as well. So. You know they're 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 making a change. Um, change sometimes is is hard, and I know for for a lot of us in the VMware community that that change was pretty hard. Um, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are focusing on a lot of other things besides besides virtualization infrastructure, um, especially with you know that that three year three year change or three year gap where people have been changing and focusing on other things like um, you know hyperscaler clouds and. Kubernetes and serverless and DevOps and security and other things that, you know, VMware isn't the center of the universe of everything anymore. So it's kind of a, a natural progression. I think we were going to get here regardless of the pandemic, regardless of Broadcom acquisition and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I'd say that there's definitely a trend towards people moving away from maybe not running stuff on vSphere. Like that's, that's never going to go away per se. Um, but the cloud is is becoming something greater than VMware, and and as much as VMware has tried to capture and become the the place where everybody goes to to talk cloud together, I don't think that's going to be the case going forward. I don't know that it's going to be anywhere, um, anywhere, any single place, I should say. Um, but I think it's going to be much more distributed, like I, I several circles, including our own here discussing where do we go to all get together going forward if we're not all going to VMware. And I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a single place anymore. What do you guys think? I like the Hawaii option that uh, AJ threw out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to deny going to Hawaii and I don't need an excuse to go there or the distraction of a conference while I'm there. So um, I, I, I would prefer it to be something my employer would like to send me to, so I don't have to pay for it myself, but yeah, it, it, it might be more of a kind of like Matt coming out on his last week is, you know, we may have to do a little bit more self-funding to get together with these friends that we've built over the years. And I'm in a place where I can do that. So I'm up for it. All I'm saying is, you know, HashiConf in Hawaii, come on, it writes itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is kind of, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, um, especially around sort of the cloud discussion and, you know, what we're, Seeing, we're seeing shifts. I know there was a fairly popular Reddit thread recently about somebody claiming they're getting like dozens of requests from you know, large enterprises looking to move stuff off of you know vSphere into the cloud. Right, Jim, I know that you talked a lot about you know, super cloud at your recent CFD <laughs> event. 
you, you have any insight into that or just a little bit? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, I will say, so CFD was, was, was relatively interesting this time around in that it was the first one of these events that I've done where there was a lot of discussion about, it wasn't mostly hybrid cloud. It was actually the concept of on-prem is relatively dead. Where are we going now? Um, and, and what, and how are we going to put them in the same place? And so I guess, you know, to your reference, Matt, there was a recent consortium of analysts that decided to create the term super cloud, um, which pretty much to a person, everyone that was at Cloudfield days, which are probably measured in hundreds of years of actually working with the technology in the cloud, um, thought it was a pretty dumb term and possibly um, there for no purpose other than to give the analyst something to talk about. Um, and they got a little upset about that. But, you know, the thing of it is, is it actually sparked a whole different conversation. Um, you know, I'm going to like lean on um, another person well known in the community, Pumala Schmitz. She actually draws a line between the idea of what all of us kind of think of today as the multi-cloud and something called the poly-cloud. Multi-cloud is just, I'm going to have a workload and I want to spray it across all of the hyper, hyperscalers at the same time. So think of using the Kubernetes servers, services and all of, all of them at once. And, you know, I just spread it everywhere versus polycloud is I take a workload and target it correctly towards the cloud where it's going to work. All right. Coming back to things. All right. Uh, but, you know, polycloud is more the concept of, you know, each of the different types of clouds you can think of up to and including on-prem all have their places where they are better than the other things. And it's the concept of taking a particular workload and saying, you know what, you're going to work best in Azure. We're going to put you in Azure as opposed to we just have to be everywhere all the time. And it was neat seeing how that got represented by some of the companies that were presenting. Um, they were actively kind of leaning into that. So for example, NetApp and their whole new, you know, the splashy one they talked about the last couple of weeks is the FSX implementation of, of, of NetApp for um, AWS, but they've got similar for GCP. They've got similar for, um, for Azure. And the idea that you can do backup and data protection across all of them and actually do replication of data between them so that you have a common underneath source was pretty darn neat. But they were already starting. It wasn't so much your workloads are on-prem and you've got some things in the cloud and we need to enable services between those things. It was, you've got all your things in, these, in this cloud and you need to have them in all the other clouds for whatever reasons, we're going to make that better. It was a differential of message to me. So I guess to the initial question of, you know, are we moving off cloud, off of vSphere and into clouds, at least from the vendor point of view, they are, man, it feels like it's they're very whole hog into that conversation that VMware is very much so legacy and we're just going to stop talking about it and hope that it goes away somewhere. But, you know, that's kind of what I picked up on. Anybody going to raise their hand? 
No, I, I think it's worth you know saying devil's advocate here. You know, it's not like vSphere is just going to disappear overnight, right? Yes, we might be seeing more of a, a cloud adoption that's going on, and you know that's inevitable. There's a lot of benefits of moving to the cloud. Um, but does that mean you know what? By this time next year, nobody's going to be running vSphere anymore. No, I don't think so. Right? When's that VMware? You know, there's still customers running uh, ESXi or ESX4, right? And that's been dead for so long. Enterprise IT does not move quick. So you know, it's good to know that there's folks who are designing solutions for you know the whatever the next iteration is, uh, because that's important planning. Where I think a lot of it's going is we're just going to see new workloads deployed there versus. Um, you know, migrating workloads to there. And that might be sort of that happy medium where at some point, you know, five years from now, okay, you know what? We've actually got new workloads, more of them running in the cloud than we do on-prem, right? And so forth and so forth. Yeah, I mean, Matt, I have to say, I, I, I will definitely say that that's my consistent take as well is we need to we need to start taking the hyperscaler clouds as I like to think of them into consideration and, you know, the whole quote-unquote cloud native thing. But the reality of it is, is while major enterprises and startups are going to be looking at those kind of things pretty, very hardcore, you're going to have a large segment of the technology using public that they're still getting their software in like boxes or the modern equivalent of that. It's coming as an application. It's prepackaged. You've got to run them somewhere. I mean... I was talking to somebody earlier this week that was actually doing a new installation of Microsoft Exchange. Wow. And that floored me, but people still do it and they still have valid reasons to need to do it. And that stuff's not going to go in AWS. If they're, if they're not putting it in, if they're not putting it in Office 365 or Microsoft 365, it's the same reason they're not going to put it in hyperscaler cloud. 100%. And you know what, like, I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but, you know, maybe this is kind of where we just see things kind of naturally evolve. VMware recently released, like, their vSphere Plus or vSAN Plus, which, you know, offers some benefits, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's kind of cloud-based, let's say. But at the end of the day, it's also the move to subscription, right? And maybe it just turns into, hey, you know what, after vSphere 8, maybe there is no vSphere 9. Maybe it just starts turning into... You know, what the Microsoft model, where it's like 2022 20, H2. Or... Windows as a service. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're seeing the next iteration where between issues that we've seen with development or QA or rollbacks or, you know, like immediately within a day rolling forward to a new version or completely yanking releases, you know, from, from VMware in the past, you know, year or so, I think we're, we're getting to the point where with the mix of the software, the changes in subscription model, the changes in consumption model for a lot of the customers, even the real problems that everybody's having right now with supply chain and not being able to get new hardware, there's probably going to be a long tail for people to even flip to adopt vSphere 8, I think, because of the changes with the HCL again, people having aging hardware that it's not worth them buying into a subscription model or having to buy brand new servers to really not get a whole lot of new features and functionality on like the new versions. And I think we're just hitting the next plateau of all of these shops that we've seen in the past that are still running ESX4 or like 5.5, where we even know some people that we've, we've joked about this being like, you know, their most favorite version. Uh, I, I think we're just hitting another, uh, another spot where people are just going to say, I'm good with this. And even if it's not supported, I can just leave it in place, leave it alone. And it doesn't cost me anything else. 
piece here for was pretty spectacular. It was. It was. Yep. Was that was that the first that was storage was that deep storage DRS or was that DRS itself? I think that was DRS. It was sure. storage DRS. Storage I DRS. Okay. That was that was the first yeah. version of vSphere was vSphere four. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, history lesson over. Yes. To that point, I mean, like I said, I, what I keep coming back to is, and that was the thing that frustrated me the most about the back to the artist formerly known as VM World, was all of their message was pointed at developers, 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 and. The customer, a lot of the customers that you're going to have today that are going to be like, well, I should stay on VMware are going to be the customers that don't have developers. They're going to be the ones that are, you know, three, four hosts in a cloud of dust and they don't have their own development. They buy their software made by somebody else. And when they can get the opportunity to move those workloads to SaaS, they're doing it. But if not, like to your point, Joe, they're going to run it till it dies. And you know, the some of the things we've been hearing about Broadcom potentially greatly jacking up the price of licensing, especially for like the subscription services. You know, if anybody's going to get the SMBs off of vSphere and into public cloud, it's going to be Broadcom themselves by pricing themselves out of the market. Yeah, just to hop on to what Jim was saying there, it's worth noting that a lot of this price hike stuff seems to be very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not circumstantial, but... Assumption. Yeah, assumption, hearsay, right? Um, that there's definitely a good precedent for it to happen. Um, and I, I know just, you know, even completely outside of my relationship when I worked for VMware, just anecdotally talking to a lot of folks I know, a lot of them were looking at buying licenses for X number of years, right, to try to get in before this perceived price hike happens. So, you know, and I, I know we're beating a dead horse here, but, you know, that, that really all ties back into the whole, it's not going to disappear overnight, you know, um, even in the SMBs, you know, if they're serious about it, they might lock in for three-year agreements, maybe even try to push for five-year agreements, who knows, right? Because they know that they're not nimble, not that enterprises are, but um, a lot of cases, they just don't have the resources to migrate things over. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, we may see customers say farewell to VMware. Yeah, and I, I find it ironic that I, I think a lot of us try to avoid drawing the the parallel to the mainframe with VMware um, because in a lot of ways it's it's similar in the fact that the mainframe has not ever gone away in many businesses because it is so core and, and, and important to the way their infrastructures have been built. VMware is very much going to be the same way. Um, I don't think it's going to look as as uh, looked down upon as much as the mainframe is in a lot of ways. Um, but I really find it ironic because of how much, you know, when I first learned about VMware and I would explain it to people at work, we had a lot of mainframe programmers and they're like, yeah, we've been doing virtual machines like that for decades. Like, welcome, welcome to the past type of thing. And how much of it really did parallel the, the mainframe in a lot of ways. And how the the endpoint is kind of looks like it may be coming to the same place, which is people don't go to conferences to to learn about COBOL and to discuss mainframe technology. It just is, and it's so good that it's kind of hit hit where it needs to be. And there's there's tweaks on the edges, and it's just not exciting. I I, I don't want to say it isn't exciting, 
because people definitely get excited for it and people should get excited for it, but it's just not driving business the way um, IT, IT industry business the way it used to. And, you know, for those that are listening and, and are like, hey, quick, quit down talking the thing that I love and I want to I want to learn more about and is driving my career right now. There's no knock to that whatsoever. Um, it, it's definitely a good place to be still. It's, it's not something that, you know, I feel like I need to leave because the job market is dried up there or that it's no longer interesting or there's no new innovation that can possibly come there. There's tons. There's tons there. Um, it's going to be a lot more incremental and less um, really earth-shaking type of stuff that they could do. But it's still very fundamental to every to, to most people that have an on-prem infrastructure anymore and, and still has a lot of potential of, of doing really cool things. Yeah, I think the bigger thing is just uh, to your point about, you know, not having people holding massive conferences for like COBOL. It's the fact that it's not driving marketing dollars and it's not driving like new sales, right? That's that's what yeah. brings in the, the people in the crowds for the big events or it being a new technology that a lot of people haven't had exposure yet to where they need either the training or the community or the support, which was entirely different in the old, you know, mainframe and COBOL days to when VMware was making it big and them being in the space at the start of social media becoming a big thing as people were starting to move off of having only, you know, like BBSs to, to actual forums and things like that. But I mean, yeah, now anybody who wants to pick up any technology in the world can basically go find a subreddit of thousands of other, you know, geeks and nerds to help them with stuff along the way, because that's just what we all do. So I think it's just changing a lot from what it had been when VMware was becoming big. And as a lot of us were making the shift in our careers, that seemed like it was a much bigger transition for us back then than it is now, right? It's it's easier to make the adoption and to make the switches and have a company that's even kind of willing to just bet on the new technology and go try things out because a lot of the changes and a lot of the pushes towards open source and utilities and even just, you know, easier access to trials of software and different cloud platforms and, and everybody having some sort of a free tier offering, it becomes a lot easier for people to just try it. And it's less, uh, less risky to the business for them to even get invested in something before they decide to actually like make the change or, or put real dollars and resources behind it. Well said. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's no lack of hot topics that are, that are kind of turn the community and, and the marketing dollars to your point, Joe, apart um, where I think it's going to be a while before we see one company kind of draw such a wide, wide range of the IT industry into one place. I think VMware was was very much uniquely positioned for that. So, you know, with with the advent I kind of mentioned Kubernetes before is is a lot of people's interest, a lot of people focusing on specific hyperscalers. So going to Microsoft conferences for Azure, going to AWS conferences. Um, you know, you've got all sorts of other technologies like, you know, a lot of my focus is going towards security these days. Um, you know, AI is a big thing. A lot of people are focusing on. I mean, these were all really big. I mean, they're as big as when we all started looking at virtualization to learn and to to get there. Um it, it takes it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of learning. It's it they're all fairly I guess relatively new technologies, new new environments that are still figuring out how to do things and and that takes specialists and and that means that people have got to focus on those things. Um so yeah, I mean, if you're out there listening for career advice, there's there's no lack of cool places to to go and start learning. 
I mean, speaking of cool places to go, I mean, you mentioned AI, and I think some of the most important news in our industry of the past week is that, you know, the Dark Lord, Darth Vader himself, will soon be an AI coming to a theater near you. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, James Earl Jones is going to be retiring, and they are going to be, you know, pulling the Princess Leia to a certain extent and pulling together past things that he said and then feeding it through AI to create Darth Vader for the future. Um, and that just is wild to me. Yeah. I mean, the de-aging stuff was, was pretty crazy uh, when they started introducing that and what they've been able to do with it so far. And, you know, some of the, I, I saw some, some analysis of part of the reason that people think that Han Solo as, as a independent movie being recast as a, you know, for for the younger version of the character was part of the reason why the solo movie just didn't do as well. Yeah. I don't know that I fully buy that analysis, but I can see some of it being true. And that, you know, the, their move towards de-aging people for, you know, Marvel and Star Wars movies has been an interesting move. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we would all be cool with Darth Vader sounding different at this stage. I'm sure that um, AI and, and someone with a similar voice could do well enough or like I'd even make the pitch that it's time to retire that character and let's talk about some other stories that don't involve Darth Vader anymore. Yup. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I, I will go completely on the mark of saying that Rogue One is the only decent new Star Wars movie that's made in, that's been made in the last 20 years. Um, yep. And feel free to add me at that if you want to. <laughs> made no. in this century. It was, I mean, it was good that they closed out and, and finally killed off the original trilogy of characters. Like, sad as it was to see them go, I'm glad they didn't drag it out any longer. Yeah. And it's cool that there is technology for them to be able to pull off, continuing to have James Earl Jones, like, redo the voice based on his old clips to, to be Darth Vader. But at the same time, I almost kind of wish that we were where the technology was, like, you know, 15 years ago for them to have to pull the the chef edits they did for South Park sort of thing, right? Yeah. To just prove the point that it needs to kind of go. Yeah, and, you know, one one really good example of that, ironically, was um, was The Simpsons. I mean, if people don't know the backstory, um, the, the lady who voiced the Edna Krabappel character died, and so they actually, they actually killed the character off as well. And, you know, like they do in a lot of TV shows, when characters do pass, you know, with cartoons and, and voice acting, it's a lot easier to to draw to, to drag it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they did some interesting stuff in in episode nine with with uh, with Leia, um, with Carrie Fisher having passed, which I thought was done well. I thought it was done respectfully in, in order to maintain the story. We can argue about the story itself, but um to, to maintain the story that they wanted to go with, they, they minimized her parts and made her a part of it and then wrote into that, um, you know, fans of the Goldbergs with, with this new season, there's some interesting stuff where the, <laughs> the actors are still around, but they were booted off the show and they dealt with it in interesting ways. So yeah, it's, it, I always, I always find it interesting how they deal with the real world inside of the fake worlds that they create. Yeah, I'm I'm currently waiting for, you know, now that we've decided that we're going to make Darth Vader an AI and we can do whatever we want with him, 
once Disney eventually buys up DreamWorks and we see the rare Star Wars boss baby crossover where Darth Vader goes back and is the ultimate boss baby, um, that should be an interesting take on the technology. We'll, we'll just go ahead and edit that later. Nope. We'll save you the nope. embarrassment. Yeet it into the sun. Oh, I think, come I on think, now. <laughs> I think Jim's internet did that for us. <laughs> God. Uh, Verizon was like, oh. nope. Nope, Jim. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, God. Sorry, y'all. Okay. We're going we're gonna to okay. park that one in the super cloud. Sorry. It was funnier in my head. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a good attempt. I applaud your effort. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Well, I think that's pretty strong indication that this has uh, run its course. Yeah, let's let's not be like so many so many movie studios and try to elongate this past its prime. So, been a, yeah, but been a pleasure, guys. As always, love love getting this chance to chat with you. And regardless if anybody bothers listening to this, um, if you do, add us. Let us know. Um, you know, we're, we're interested in what people want to hear about. Or, and if you don't, then you'll continue to hear us babble about whatever interests us, which is fine by us. So um, any any parting thoughts, guys? How's this for an idea of monetization of this podcast? If you subscribe and you pay a monthly fee, you get access to the chat. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Nobody wants that. Nobody we, wants that. We need a premium tier where you get it access to the video as well. That's... Yeah, like if we're gonna monetize this thing, man, we're we're gonna need to really put some effort into this. Yeah, like I said yeah, as, the only people as... that want that are the people that want to use it as weapons against us. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. With that, That's Brian, thank you, enemies. guys. It's been great to talk yep, to you, guys. Always. Yep. Bye, everybody. Okay.